I now have more in stocks than I did at the beginning of the year. So as the stock market has come down, instead of having 80% of my portfolio in stocks, I'm somewhat above 80%. But the fact is, stocks are on sale. Humble Dollar's Jonathan Clements is next on Consuelo Mack Wealth Track. Funding provided by ClearBridge Investments, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Matthews Asia, Strategus Asset Management, and Women Investing in Security and Education. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. We are in the midst of a sea change in our financial lives. Here are the headlines. Inflation is surging for the first time in years and has reached the highest level in 40 years. The Federal Reserve is embarking on the fastest and steepest tightening cycle in decades. And value stocks are outperforming growth stocks after lagging them by record amounts for nearly a decade and a half. Well, is it time to make some changes to our financial plans? Our guest is an award-winning personal finance journalist who has been a WealthTrack regular since our launch in 2005. He was also a colleague of mine at the Wall Street Journal for several years before that. He is Jonathan Clements, the founder and editor of Humble Dollar, a free weekly online newsletter devoted to telling you everything you need to know about money. It is worth visiting. He was the personal finance columnist at the Wall Street Journal for 20 years and is the author of several personal finance books, including From Here to Financial Happiness and How to Think About Money. And he has just finished a new one, My Money Journey, which is due out in April. Now, I got an advanced copy. It is terrific, and we'll talk a little bit about it in his extra feature on WealthTrack.com. I asked Clements for his perspective on the much-changed financial climate we find ourselves in. So, Consuelo, very much like you, I've spent my entire professional career in a period of declining inflation, declining interest rates, and a rising stock market. You go back to 1981, September, the 10-year Treasury note was at almost 16%. Fast forward to August of 2020, and it was at half a percent. And that decline in government interest rates basically drove everything that happened in the financial markets over the past four decades. And what we're seeing now is a reversal of that. And so the nice, comfortable world that we all dealt, lived in, where stocks went up, where bond prices went up, has gone away. We no longer have inflation that's decelerating, now it's accelerating, and that's changed the picture. And people need to at least adjust their expectations. They don't necessarily need to adjust their portfolios, but they need to think differently about the financial markets. Tell us how we should think differently. Oh, we've had this tailwind of falling interest rates for the past four decades, and that's meant high stock returns, it's meant great bond returns, and that has gone away. So what does it mean for the future? Well, we can say with you know, reasonable assurance that stock returns are not going to be as generous as they have been over the past 40 years, and the bond returns are not going to be as generous as they have been over the past four decades. So one obvious implication is that if you're in the workforce and you're looking ahead to retirement, you need to save a whole lot more money in order to have a big enough nest egg to carry you through those 30 years that you're going to spend living off your savings. I know you're a big advocate of index funds, but should we be changing some of our views uh, if, in fact, returns from index funds from the market in general are going to be lower than they have been over the last 
you know, several decades. Um, should we change our strategy at all as far as what kind of investments we should be investing in? So my portfolio is basically divvied up between 80% in world stock index funds and 20% in short-term bond funds. I'm not inclined to deviate from that. In fact, I would argue that that strategy makes even more sense now than it did before. You know, a lot of people in this environment where stocks are struggling, where you know, bonds have been losing money, are going to say, all right, you need to get more active with your portfolio. Well, what happens when you become more active with your portfolio? One, there's a risk that you're going to start underperforming the market averages. And two, you know you will definitely incur greater investment costs. So what I would say to viewers is this. Yeah, the returns from the financial markets are likely to be lower in the years ahead. So what you should do is try to ensure that you capture as much of that return as possible. And how are you going to do that? One, you want to keep investment costs to the bare minimum. Two, you want to be really careful about taxes. You don't want to lose any more to the tax man than you're currently losing, which means that you want to be tax efficient within your taxable account. You don't want to be doing a lot of trading. And meanwhile, you want to make the most of the retirement accounts that you have so that you can shelter as much gains as possible from the tax man. And finally, you want to be as broadly diversified as possible so you don't lag behind the market averages. And the way you do that is with broad market index funds. I mean, that strategy, which has been a great strategy over the decades, makes even more sense in the current environment. Jonathan, as far as investment advice, what you just told us, I don't think has changed in the last 10, 20, or 30 years <laughs> as a strategy. Um, and it's a good strategy in its simplicity. And it, it's the fact that you're paying a lot of attention to expenses as well and being tax efficient and everything else. But considering the major changes that have occurred, nothing, I shouldn't be doing anything different with my investments. Well, I'll tell you the one thing that I've been doing differently this year, Consuelo, is as the stock market has been coming down, I mean, not only have I been rebalancing back to my target percentages, but I've been over-rebalancing. In other words, I now have more in stocks than I did at the beginning of the year. So as the stock market has come down, you know, instead of having 80% of my portfolio in stocks, I'm somewhat above 80%. I mean, the fact is stocks are on sale. And if there's anything we've learned on from investing, it's that when stocks go down, buying stocks makes a lot of sense. But when you buy those stocks, you don't want to be picking individual issues, because what if you pick badly? Instead, mm -hmm. just buy the whole market. And that's what I do. I buy the global market. If the US market doesn't do so great over the next 10 years, maybe there'll be foreign markets that do well. Being globally diversified is one way of ensuring that whatever the markets deliver, you're going to capture part of that gain. With higher inflation and you know the very real possibility of going into a recession as well, it makes most of us psychologically feel like we should be getting more defensive. But in fact, you are kind of upping the ante. It doesn't make you feel good, right, to be investing in, in the stock market. If it was easy, getting wealthy in the stock market would be achieved by everybody. To a certain degree, we need to fight every instinct in our body. You know, mm -hmm. behavioral economists talk about this thing called loss aversion. We feel the pain of losses twice as greatly as the pleasure we get from gains. And yeah, when the stock market goes down and every headline is scary, yeah, we all want to hunker down. We all want to 
run away from the stock market. We all want to get rid of our bonds. Hey, let's just put it all in cash and wait it out. Right. But that is not the right strategy. You know, I've seen it multiple times in the past. People panic. They move into cash. They briefly feel like they've made a smart move. And then suddenly the stock market comes roaring back. And they sit there and they know, should I get back in? Should I get back? Should I get back in? And before they know it, the stock market has doubled. You know, the best thing to do is to settle on an allocation to stocks and stick with it through thick and thin. And what that means is that even if you don't over rebalance as I am currently, you should at least be rebalancing, which means you're lightening up on your cash, you're lightening up on your bonds and moving more into stock. That is a proven path to wealth. You've got to buck the crowd and buy when, as they say, there's blood in the street going into a more challenging economic environment, um, things are more expensive. What's your advice? Are, are there any changes we should be making in our retirement planning? Yeah, this is a much tougher situation for mm -hmm. retirees than it is for those in the workforce. For people in the workforce, the decline in the stock market, the decline in the bond market, that's an opportunity. As long as you hang on to your job and you have a paycheck in order to fund that 401k, you're in great shape. This right is something that you should celebrate. But if you're a retiree who isn't adding new savings to your portfolio, the hit from the financial markets, there isn't a big silver lining to it. So what should retirees be doing? Well, I think there are a number of things that they should think about. The number one piece of advice that I would give to retirees is if you haven't yet claimed Social Security, think about delaying. In an environment where inflation is a big issue, having a larger stream of inflation-adjusted income mm -hmm. guaranteed by the government is a great thing. So if you can afford to, look into delaying Social Security as late as age 70. It's a great strategy for people who are worried about inflation and worried about so-called longevity risk, the risk that they're going to outlive their other assets. The other thing that you really want as a retiree is a cushion against bad financial markets. So one thing that I often say to retirees is think about having five years of the withdrawals that you're going to need to take from your portfolio out of stocks, out of riskier bonds, and in cash investments and short-term bonds. I mean, this is one of the things that... I'm trying to do with my portfolio. I'm not yet fully retired. But when I mm -hmm. say that I have roughly 20%, a little bit less of my portfolio in short-term bonds right now, that 20% will cover five years of portfolio withdrawals for me if I'm using the so-called 4% withdrawal rate. So I would say that if you're a retiree, try to keep that cushion equal to five years of portfolio withdrawals so that you can sit out this bear market without having to sell your stocks and your riskier bonds at five sale prices. Right. And and I, I, I heard that 4% withdrawal. I know that there are a number of financial institutions that are recommending a lower withdrawal rate. Are you still sticking with 4%? You know, I think 4% is a rough rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. You know, most retirees, and in fact, I think most people generally, when you, we get a time like right now where the stock market is going down, where the bond market is going down, where there's questions about whether the economy is going to tip into a recession, you know, people tend to cut back on their spending. And if you're a retiree, that's probably a pretty good strategy. We talk about managing our portfolios this way and that in retirement in order to generate the income we need. But one of the financial levers available to retirees and, of course, everybody else is to vary your spendings. You're a big believer in uh, living a frugal lifestyle anyhow and, and living below your means. 
uh, as a matter of course so that you can you know, save more. But it, it's even more important, as you just said, in periods of market decline, how much should we be paring back? How much more should we be saving? So if you're saving for retirement, as a benchmark, I would aim to save 15% of your pre-tax income every year. Now, if you're working for a uh, company and you have a 401k plan and they match part of your contribution, you can count those contributions to your 401k as, uh, as part of your savings rate. So maybe instead of putting in 15%, you can put in 10 But overall, I would be looking to suck away 15% every year towards retirement. If you're in retirement, and again, with you know, higher inflation and higher interest rates and a tough economic environment, we'd be more frugal now uh, in, in retirement as well. So let's go back to that 4% rule that we were talking right. about before. The 4% rule says that in the first year of retirement, you should withdraw 4% of your portfolio's value. And thereafter, every year, step up the amount that you withdraw along with inflation. I'm planning to use a slightly different rule, which is rather than withdraw 4% and then step it up every year with inflation, I'm going to withdraw 4 to 5% of whatever I have at the beginning of each year. So if the size of my portfolio goes down, the amount that I allow myself to withdraw is also going to go down. That way, there's a built-in sort of correction mechanism to ensure that I cut back my spending when we get rough financial markets. And as an added bonus, if you're always withdrawing a fixed percentage of whatever is remaining, you're never going to run out of money because you can only withdraw 4 or 5% of whatever is left. Um, that may mean that things get pretty grim later in retirement, but it will mean that you will never run out of money. Are there any other sources of income, for instance, that we can tap, again, that we might not think of in this kind of an environment? One of the obvious ways to, uh, to reduce costs is to, to downsize. Um, you know, it, that becomes, frankly, more taxing the older you get. If you're planning to downsize, I would encourage you to do it before you quit the workforce, you know, while you're younger. I mean, I remember my, my grandparents, they talked about downsizing. They talked about reducing their housing costs, and they just simply left it too late, and they never made the move. So if you're going to downsize, I would encourage people to do it in their 60s before it starts to seem too taxing. There are other strategies that you can use in order to you know, generate more income from your portfolio and make sure that you, know, you have income that lasts as long as you do. For instance, right. one of the things that I often suggest to people is to buy an immediate fixed annuity that pays lifetime income. Problem I have with offering that advice right now is that you know, to fund that annuity, you're going to have to sell stocks and bonds that are at depressed prices. So it's not the sort of thing that I would want to be doing at this point in the market cycle. But let's go out two years and maybe the stock market comes back, you know, the bond market stabilizes. Maybe at that point, you would think about buying that immediate fixed annuity that pays lifetime income. And because interest rates have popped up, the amount of income you're going to get from that immediate fixed annuity is going to be increased over what it would be if you bought it, say, last year. One of the reasons that people have not been buying immediate fixed annuities is because interest rates were so low. But now that they are so high, there's yet another reason not to buy them because you're taking out of a reduced portfolio. So I feel like you can't win. Uh, you can do it incrementally, though, so you don't have to do it all in one lump sum. 
and maybe as interest rates go up gradually and you can get higher returns on the annuities, that might be a better strategy? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've thought about doing again for myself mm -hmm. is to essentially dollar cost average into immediate fixed annuities. So I could see through my six days, maybe making four different immediate fixed annuity purchases so that I buy at different points in the interest rate cycle. Right. And by doing that, I can also spread the risk across four different life insurance companies. So that way, if one of them gets in financial trouble, I should be okay. You know, one of the things I should mention is, you know, if you are funding these immediate fixed annuities out of the bond side of your portfolio, yeah, your bond portfolio may be down because interest rates have gone up, but you know, you, there is an upside to that, which is when you buy that immediate fixed annuity, you are going to get more income thanks to that rise in rates. So it's a little bit of a seesaw. You give up on one end, but you make it on the other. One of the very popular instruments recently because their yield is so high are the, the I savings bonds, the treasury inflation savings bonds that adjust for inflation. But you have some caveats about and some reservations about that those instruments. So what are they? So serious I savings bonds are a fine thing to buy. But let's just keep in mind that, you know, one, you know, you can only put $10,000 a year into them. I mean, right. not, you know, $10,000 is, is a decent chunk of change, but, you know, you can't move your whole portfolio into it. Two is once you put money into these things, you can't take them out for a year. And if you sell them in the first five years, you lose the last three months of interest. And three, if you buy at this point, yes, the initial yield seems great, but you only yes. get that yield for the first six months. You know, thereafter, what you're going to get before taxes is the inflation rate, a return equal to the inflation rate. And after taxes, the rate that you're the return that you get is going to be below the inflation rate. And in fact, sort of perversely enough, the higher the inflation rate is in the years ahead, the worse the after-tax return on these bonds are going to be. If you're paying taxes at 22% rate, if you have a 1% inflation rate, then you're going to pocket you know, 0.78. So you're going to lose a fair, tiny sliver of your return. But if the re inflation rate is 10%, you're going to pocket 7.8%, which means you're losing 2.2 percentage points every year of your return to the tax man. Right. So, you know, you are getting inflation protection. But the other thing to keep in mind is that right now, as attractive as serious I savings bonds seem, if you buy conventional inflation index treasury bonds, which you know, trade on the open market, the return on those currently is actually higher than on serious size savings bonds. You can actually get a return over and above inflation on inflation index treasury bonds. Depending on where you go in the yield curve, that extra return is about one half percentage points a year. Uh, so are you talking about TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected yes. Securities? Uh-huh. So yeah, so, so there are these two different types of inflation protected securities that you can buy from the US government. One of these series are savings bonds which are limited to $10,000 a year. And then there's this version of a traditional treasury bond that is indexed to inflation, as you say, TIPS. And TIPS right now are offering a higher real return than Series I savings bonds. So I would say, you know, if you're going to, if you want to get, have inflation index 
securities in your portfolio, you're actually better off at this point buying inflation index treasury bonds tips rather than series I savings bonds. And indeed, in my own portfolio, I don't own any series I savings bonds, but mm -hmm. I do own inflation index treasury bonds. Talk to us a little bit too, Jonathan, about what else you're doing with your personal portfolio. I know that you have Roth IRAs, which are going to go to your children uh, eventually. So, so you know, explain the, the rationale but behind the Roth and, and how you've uh, established that investment to have a, as almost like a legacy investment. I have about a quarter of my retirement account in Roth accounts. And in fact, one thing I did this year was to convert $60,000 of my traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. I did it a couple of months ago when the stock market was depressed. And what it allowed me to do was to take that traditional IRA and move it, part of it into a Roth IRA while prices were depressed. And my hope is, that hope has not been fulfilled so far, but my hope is that when the market comes back, the bounce back in that $60,000 that I converted will be tax-free. And mm -hmm. yes, as you indicated, my plan is to take that portion of my retirement account, my Roth IRA, and bequeath it to my kids. You know, that money will grow tax-free between now and when I die. And indeed, my kids will be able to get 10 additional years of tax-free growth out of that Roth IRA after my death. On top of that, during my lifetime, I do not have to take required minimum distributions from those accounts. So those accounts can stay intact for the rest of my life. By contrast, with a traditional IRA or with a 401k, you have to take withdrawals during your lifetime. So is that a feature of the Roth that you don't have to do the required minimum distribution? It's a feature of the Roth IRA. If you have, say, a Roth as part of your 401k, before you get to age 72, you want to roll that money out of your Roth 401k and into a Roth IRA because once it's in the Roth IRA, you don't have to take required minimum distributions. That's a valuable strategy. Your humble dollar, you know, weekly newsletter uh, that is free, which our audience should know about, which and is terrific, and you build a, a community uh, within it of like-minded people. Excellent. What's the kind of the top topic of conversation now in 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 those in in your community of humble? So dollar? the number one topic that gets discussed on the website and the number one issue that we address in the articles and the blog posts that we put up is retirement. I mean, retirement mm -hmm. is the great financial goal, the great financial conundrum. I mean, the hardest thing we will do financially during our lives is to save enough for retirement. And the trickiest thing that we will do during our financial lives is to take those savings and turn it into a stream of income that will carry us through the rest of our lives. And those two aspects of retirement are constantly talked about on the site. But then there's you know much more to retirement than just saving and drawing down. You know, people are thinking about you know, how am I going to spend my retirement years? You know, when do I travel? What's going to give a sense of purpose to my retirement? You know, where do I live? These, there are a huge number of issues that right. come with retirement. If there's one investment that we should all have in a long-term diversified portfolio, surprise me. What would no. it be? <laughs> you know, Consuelo, we've done this way too often. <laughs> so you know what it is. My number one investment, my favorite investment, is the investment that I have in the Roth IRAs that I plan to bequeath to my kids. 
is the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. It has every stock of any significance in the world within the portfolio. Whatever happens in the global markets in the years ahead, wherever there happen to be gains, I will be the beneficiary of those increases. I think it's a great core portfolio holding. Jonathan Clements, it's always such a treat to have you on Wealth Truck, and you are you are full of wisdom, even if some of it's repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> well, my pleasure, Consuelo. Thank you for having me on. At the close of every Wealth Truck, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is make a recession reset. Now, whether it's officially a recession or not, the odds are very high that the economy's growth will slow for several quarters at least. The Federal Reserve's determination to squelch inflation will see to that. Short term, that means that prices of stocks and bonds will remain under pressure. To cushion the blow, have a comfortable position in cash and liquid short-term securities like treasury bills or notes that can be rolled over at higher yields. Own some stocks that have a history of increasing dividends to ensure yourself some income. Personally cut expenses and embrace frugality. As you just heard, frugality and living beneath one's means is a constant theme of Jonathan Clements. It does not come naturally to most Americans, so this is a good time to cultivate the habit. Speaking of income, our guest next week will be Claire Hart, the lead portfolio manager for the highly rated J.P. Morgan Equity Income Fund. In this week's extra feature, I'll ask Jonathan Clements for a preview of his terrific new book, My Money Journey, due to be published next year. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.